When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Listen up, muckerfuthers. If you just can't get enough of 83 weeks, we've got tons more waiting for you over at adfreeshows.com. Bonus episodes, all the archives with zero, yes, I said zero ads. Plus, we've got interactive events and experiences with yours truly. You can ask me anything. Chat one-on-one during our live Locked and Loaded events. And if you joined us in Chicago this year for Top Guy Weekend, we got to hang out the entire weekend weekend, and it was a blast. I can't wait for Top Guy Weekend 2022. Hey, want to hear me rip Greg Gagne, Vince Russo, and others? A new one on our popular Eric Fires Back series. I eviscerate Twitter trolls on me tweet receipts, plus bonus watch-alongs and tons more. Do yourself a favor. Right now, Google the internet, and you won't find a better value in all of wrestling than over at adfreeshows.com. You not only get 83 weeks, but all of Conrad Thompson's podcasts early and ad-free and on video for as low as $9 a month. Come on, man. You can't beat it. Join the family today at adfreeshows.com. Hey y'all, it's Rebel with AEW. And when I'm not with the doctor helping her dominate the women's division, you can find me on adfreeshows.com every other Sunday, hosting my personal happy hour, Rebel's Happy Hour. And I would love for you to join me. It's an hour long of drinking, laughing, a little Q&A, maybe some guest surprises, and just chatting about whatever's on your mind. I promise it's a good time. And yes, it is all face to face. So do it now, do it today. Sign up at adfreeshows.com and become a top guy. And tell them Rebel sent you. Mwah. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Whew. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at savewithconrad.com.
Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? Can you tell I've been looking forward to this? Dude, look at like you. I broke up the NWO jacket, right? Come on, I got the cap on. Wait, is that the real actual jacket you wore back then? No, oh. it's one just like it. Damn the it. real one got lost in a nightclub. It's a long story. We'll tell it. We'll tell it in St. Louis. <laughs> is it a long story that may or may not have court records attached to it, or is that a different? There were no court records, but I didn't find <laughs> <on> any video. <laughs> Well, listen, we're excited that we're going to be watching some pretty awesome video today. We're enjoying taking a look at WCW nitro from 25 years ago. Uh, just to sort of catch you up. We've covered a lot of January of 1997 so far, including this past week, man, you did a watch along on the exact day of the 25th anniversary of the first ever NWO pay-per-view. It was called sold out, man. What was that like over at adfreeshows.com for everybody? A blast. It's uh, ad free shows is always fun interacting, you know, whether, you know, as we were in St. Louis this past weekend or out in front of, you know, an arena full of people in the ring or just being out in front of a live crowd is it's always a blast, man. Always a blast. And I know everybody loved the interactive format of what we do over at adfreeshows.com. Fans got to watch the show along with you and pick your brain and ask questions and not like a meet and greet, like a real conversation. So check that out. It's available in the archives. And of course, last week, uh, man, we did, uh, the clash of the champions. And before that, the, the big DDP nitro. And now here we are the same month, January 27th. We're just a couple of days removed from sold out. Of course, back then sold out was on a Saturday because it was big NFL, uh, competition on Sundays. They were playing, getting ready for the super bowl. Uh, so those divisional playoffs were a, uh, conference championships were a big deal. So it was a, a rare Saturday pay-per-view for the NWO take Sunday off. And now here we are on that Monday. So with sold out in the rear view mirror clash of the champions in the rear view mirror. We're going to do something that really turns the volume up. This is probably one of the more notable things you ever did in WCW. You're going to fire Randy Anderson when you're making appearances and doing Q and A's and things like that. Even when you do it across the pond, this is something that comes up every time I bet. Yep. It always does because it was so, well, it was so memorable because it was so believable. It was authentic. It felt real. You weren't sure if it was, you know, did, did he really just do that on national television? You know, and it's that, is it, is it real or is it Memorex? You know, that's the magic. That's a sweet, sweet spot that has always made wrestling go from something that's passively entertaining to really, really compelling. Well, I'm pumped about this. Uh, we're going to be doing it watch along style. We're going to lay out and track the important stuff and let you hear it with us. We'll cover all the news and notes from everything that's going on in professional wrestling, but without further ado, let's fire up Peacock. Let's get to season three, episode four. It's January 27th, 1997. We'll do a little bit of a countdown and then we'll press play. Here we go. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
What are you waiting for? Hurry up and go to savewithconrad.com. Hurry up and start saving money. That's what we're talking about. Keeping more of your own money. That really is what we do at savewithconrad.com. How's this for starters? No house payments for two months. And when it comes time for you to start making payments two months from now, it's going to be the best deal you ever had. You see, not only are we going to get you the best interest rate you ever had, we're also going to help you get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. Now you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but if you're in a 30 year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much. And I'm sure you know, by now your house is worth more than ever before. Why not use that newfound equity to get rid of your private mortgage insurance? That PMI, as we like to call it, could save you hundreds of dollars each and every month, and you could be paying it unnecessarily. Stop giving your money away. Get rid of your PMI. Get the best rate you ever had. And hey, if you've got credit card debt, what are you doing? The average interest rate is over 19% on credit cards in America, and you know you can do better than that. Plus, the interest you pay on a credit card is not tax deductible. So not only can we get you a better rate, but a greater tax deduction too. If you can get a lower monthly payment and a greater tax deduction and save tens of thousands of dollars by paying your house off faster, why wouldn't you? Hurry, find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And that's right, don't forget, skip your next two payments at SaveWithConrad.com. You know, we love to enlighten here on 83 Weeks. So let's enlighten our audience, Paul, a little bit about coffee. Did you know that 90% of the coffee from the grocery store is actually stale? Stale! You heard that right. The coffee you know and think you love needs an upgrade. Instead of rebuying the same old, same old, same old, let Trade Coffee send you something freshly roasted that you're literally guaranteed to really love. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee nerd, and I admit, Paul, I am a bit of a coffee nerd, or maybe you just want a better daily cup. Trade Coffee's real experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. You can take the coffee quiz to get started. Paul, this is really cool because Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they're going to replace it free. Now, Trade's been featured by the New York Times, Wired, GQ, and has delivered over 5 million bags of coffee. The subscription is no hassle. Skip the shipment, change the frequency, or cancel anytime you want. That's one of the things that I love about trade, as we all know. Finding your favorite products now in any of your favorite big box uh, retail outlets is getting tougher and tougher. And there's nothing worse than going to the store hoping to score your favorite coffee only to get there and see an empty shelf. No problem, no hassle with trade. Trade ships it right to your door and you can cancel skip anytime you want it's outstanding now i took the coffee quiz i gotta be honest i wasn't really surprised because i expected it to be tailored to my taste and it really was but here's what i really dig about trade coffee i i look at coffee the way some people look at wine paul i really do 
And you, if you love wine, you love to explore. It's a journey to find that next hidden gem, that, that perfect wine that you had never really heard of or maybe only read about occasionally, and you finally get a chance to taste it, and you swear, even though the, the wine you thought you loved, it's no longer the wine you love best. And the same thing can happen in trade, man. Over 400 choices. Are you kidding me? Take the journey. You'll be glad you did. And for our listeners right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of $20 off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash 83 weeks. To get started, you take the quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash 83 weeks and you start your journey. You kick it off to find your perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com forward slash 83 weeks for $20 off your first three bags. I think you're going to love it. Eric, are you ready? I am ready. All right, here we go. In three, two, one, play. Let's track it. I promised you last night, we have some business we have to attend to here. For those of you that weren't able to join us on pay-per-view last night, major, major injustice. And I want to show you just how badly the Outsiders were treated at the hands of some WCW officials. We'll talk more about it in a minute, but take a look at this. Look at this, right here. Outsider edge. Sweet. Over. Boom. Look at this. Let's count. How many? Loser. He's right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's got to be 20 by now. And these guys assaulted Nick Patrick. Look at this dog face mark. Nick Patrick was down, as you pointed out at the hands of the Steiner brothers, and this is where it gets good. Look at this. Okay, who is that? Randy Anderson. Watch this. I'm handling a fisher. Oh, look at this. Hey, look, I have my shoulder up. Did you see it? My shoulder was up a little bit. That's not even the issue here. That is not even the issue here. And we're going to address what, in my opinion, is one of the greatest injustices injustices ever done in the history of this sport and to do that at this point right now I would like to bring down the man who is in that ring at this time referee Randy Anderson you want us to beat him up no don't beat him up come on down where is that little he's up in a ring they wouldn't even have, he, he, nepotism runs rampant in WCW this redneck has a job because he's related to somebody now I've said before 
that we would have a Come level here, play. Goof. Front and center. Pick up that microphone. Sir? I want you to tell me. Settle down. Settle down. It's all right. What were you thinking last night? I was just referring to no, 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 no. No, I don't think you get it. First of all, what were you doing in the building? The promoter gave me a ticket for the event, WCW. What it was sold out, I believe, Mr. sucker. Mr. Murnick, give me a ticket. You mean to tell me that a WCW promoter gave you a ticket? Is that what you're telling me? Yes, sir. And how much did you pay for that ticket? It was a gift. A gift? Yeah, I'm going to give it yes, something. Sir. Give no, 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 we'll take care of this. A gift. Yes, sir. Are you familiar at all with company policy relating to receiving gifts from other WCW employees? No, sir. Ignorance is no excuse, Randy Anderson. The fact is, you cannot accept payola. You cannot accept freebies of any kind. Do you, do you realize that you violated company policy? No, sir. I just thought I was doing my job. No, you didn't do your job. No, the Steiners were the ones doing the job. They were beat. I'll tell you what. I know that you've had a tough year. About with cancer. I know. I, I don't want to hear about your personal problems. Good I know that you've it. had a tough year. <laughs> but under the circumstances, I have there is I have no other choice. You are here by children. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. I'm watching children. I'm watching I don't want to hear about your family problems. I'm telling you, you were fired. Good luck. Uh, I, hey, I wish you the best. No hard feelings, man. No hard feelings. <laughs> I wish you the very best. Get out of here, you loser. Hey, walk around like this. <laughs> Get out of here, you jabron. <laughs> and ask early. your cousin or your inbred nephew, whatever it is, maybe he can hook you up And you know what? Else. We're not done. Oh. We're not done. Somebody bring the Steiner brothers out here now. All right. All right. Now you're talking. We Where got are they? The people want to see Bring them out the here people's right choice, the working man's team. You want to see the real tag champs, Big Kev, Big Scott, ready to do it. I wanna... Watch this, E. This could be sweet. Come on out, gentlemen. Come here, you two goose. Ooh, come on out. Come here. Come here. Which one you want? Give me the big jack. This is going to be here. real easy. Stay right there. You don't need to get any closer. You can hear me just fine, I'm sure. Gentlemen, in case you just didn't see what happened, Randy Anderson was fired. He was terminated <laughs> because he got involved in a match that he was not licensed to get involved in, and he received gratis. That's a gift from someone that's, he that's shouldn't have received. That's way to slow down until these guys understand it. Bottom line is, guys, leave the belts with the champs. Right here. You are stripping the real champs. Give them up. No, no, no way. Hey, no way. Dog face. Give us that belt. Dog we face. Give us that belt. Give me it now. Give me the belt. I am the highest ranking official in WCW. I am telling you right now. And we are the best tag team. It we want the belts now. My decision, Fire it's final. Fire Leave the belts here or you'll be in breach of contract. It's that simple. I want the belts and I want them now. We're running.
running short of time, and you've got a match. Give me the belts now. Dogface, I want yours. So how about that? Look at that. Pick it up. Don't pick it up. And don't bother picking up your paycheck for the next you six see that? months. Because you, my friends, are going to be fined for that action. Now go up to the ring and wrestle. Or you'll be in breach of contract. Look what he did to it. Look. Look at that. He broke it. So Eric, we can stop tracking it now. Uh, you got 3,970 folks here in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, millions watching at home. Pretty big time heel move here, firing a lowly referee, now stripping the beloved Steiners. You damn dirty heel, you. You know, Conrad, over the last four years, I can't believe I'm saying it's been four years. From time to time, we go through these shows, we look back, and admittedly, I see things that, well, there's no other way to say it. I'm embarrassed by. I wish I could do, I wish I had a do over. I wish I would have been as smart to them as I am now. Say whatever you want to say, all right? I, I, there are some things that I feel bad that I was involved in, but there are times, times such as these, when we go back and we look at a scene like we just witnessed and what we're really watching is the wrestling equivalent of the Sistine Chapel of storytelling. (laughs) This was amazing. Well, if you've been listening to this show for very long, you know that this episode was sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us, Blue Chew. Of course, Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredient as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve a stronger and harder erection to combat all forms of ED. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so that means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door, all in a discreet package. Now, the process is simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com, you consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's sildenafil and tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. They prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code WHW at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. The promo code is WHW to receive your first month for free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about, protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for GoliathLife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, 
And just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. No argument for me. What a scene, you know, it, 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 it checked all the boxes. You accomplished everything you set out to do, uh, with that piece of business there. This is good stuff, man. I am so happy with that work and it gets better. The following week gets even better. So there, this is like uh, part one, part two. This is yeah. This next is, week you bring his whole damn family out, right? Yeah. And you know, look, this is sensitive. This is a sensitive issue and I don't mean to make light of this particular element of the story, but you know, this is really the epitome, I guess, of merging <clears throat> reality with story yeah. in wrestling. And in reality, Randy or Randy Anderson had undergone a bout of, of cancer surgery. He had cancer and it was not, you know, known across the country or around the world, but it was real. And we wove that reality into a storyline, which, and we'll talk about it some other time or maybe on this show, but you know, it was the reason why I got a phone call from the 10th floor of the North tower. <laughs> um, and that's usually not a good call to get. So yeah, it was pretty awesome. So fun to uh, go back and take a look at this right now. We're talking over the Steiners putting hurting on uh, the faces of fear in this crowd. Although it's not a huge one, boy, they're rowdy for him. As I mentioned, 3,970 fans here paying $63,439 in Des Moines, Iowa. The, uh, the old Sonny Ono stomping grounds. He's from Iowa, right? Yeah. He's from Mason city, Iowa, which is, uh, I don't know, maybe 120 miles North, uh, West of Des Moines, but Des Moines, you know, another great wrestling town, a lot of AWA heritage in, in Des Moines, Iowa. So, um, great town, not a big town, but a great town. Were you, um, you know, you're still relatively new into this whole NWO run, you know, uh, May of the prior years when Scott Hall came down July, of course, is when Hogan turned heel. Here we are at the end of January. You've had some big houses though. We just talked about earlier this month. You set all kinds of records, uh, especially in Chicago and the Superdome. And, and now here you are in under 4,000 folks. Are you disappointed in that? Or just grateful that you've got the crowd you've got given the market size and all that. No, I, first of all, very grateful for the crowd that we had. Keep in mind, this was all still new to us. Yeah. You know, having a, having a good enough crowd where we didn't have to turn the lights down was still kind of a new thing. So we, we were not disappointed. And also, you know, you've got to remember that we chose these buildings six months prior, a year prior is when we locked them down. And 
during that period of time, we didn't know how hot we were going to be. Had we known, we probably would have booked a bigger venue and we would have booked a, a bigger audience in, as a result. But we didn't. In the venue we, we picked, uh, you know, it worked just fine for the crowd that we had, but we probably could have played a bigger building and had a bigger gate had we known six months or a year before just how hot this was going to get. We should mention um, this is going to be the next to last week where you have uh, a one-hour show opposing you. Raw is going to expand to two hours the next week on February 3rd, 1997. And of course, these days we know it's three hours. Uh, Eric, I I blame you that raw was three hours. Now, you know, they would have never even maybe had that damn idea. Had you not kept expanding nitro. So every Monday night under my breath, I curse you, dude. Yeah. So does probably everybody else involved in that product. (laughs) Um, truth though, that wasn't my idea. That was forced upon me. I, it wasn't me sitting in a room and going, Hey, I know what let's do two hours every week instead of one. We were all <clears throat> thrilled with the performance we were getting out of one hour and one hour is easily manageable. Two hours. When I found out from Brad Siegel, by the way, it was really Brad's idea and, and probably had a lot to do with ad sales too. They all of a sudden we were getting hot. We had more opportunities, you know, for the first time in the history of Turner Broadcasting, they were actually able to sell advertising within wrestling and attract new sponsors. So Brad Siegel came to me one day and said, hey, uh, guess what we're going to do? What, Brad, what? We're going to do two hours instead of one. Why, Brad, why? <clears throat> and the answer was, on you know, you couldn't argue with it. The cost of doing one hours and the cost of doing two hours was incrementally the same. I mean, it, there was a little difference, but not really, but the difference to the network was 24 commercials instead of 12 for the same amount of money. If you get my meaning. So from a network perspective, it was an economy of scale and which is why we ultimately went to three hours because they could Turner could make even that much more money right with a three hour show. We didn't want to do a three-hour show. That's a freaking pay-per-view every week. We didn't want to do that, but we didn't get to vote. Man, how over the Steiners right here? I mean, they have been such a big tag team here in WCW at this point for, I don't know, probably seven years. And uh, they're still my favorite. You know, I go back and and watch these guys and just remember how much I loved them as kids. And I mean, these are real life action figures with badass suplexes and clotheslines and the Frankensteiner and the top rope bulldog and, you know, the backwards title belts and the barking. I mean, this is every little boy's favorite tag team at the time. And, you know, Rick Sander has always been consistently great. Yes. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he was always consistent. Scotty, you know, had more injuries and for whatever reason, um, I I think he was less consistent only to the extent that for whatever reason, and I don't know what it is or what it was, but Scotty was really finding himself here. I think this is maybe not peak Scott Steiner in terms of, um, his in-ring work. I think he got better even later after this, but this is when all of a sudden Scott Steiner just, he found another gear that we hadn't seen before starting right about now. And I think that's one of the reasons that the Steiners were able to sustain themselves at such a high level for so long. 
Let's listen to Tony here. Championship wrestling fans, as you saw what happened to Randy Anderson and saw what happened to the Steiner brothers, stripped of their titles and fined by Eric Bischoff. Act of frustration, an act of humiliation. The philosophy of the new world odor kind of follows the guide for the married man. No matter how you get caught in what predicament, just deny it, deny it, deny it. But the events that happened cannot be denied. Unfortunately, a lot of positive things did happen for World Championship Wrestling, but because it was an NWO pay-per-view, we are not able to provide you with the footage. We are, though, from our still photographers, able to show you some of the things that happened in favor of World Championship Wrestling this past Saturday night. Let's take a look at the stills, the photographs. You see right there, Six and Eddie Guerrero in the ladder match. And I tell you, fans, it was a classic. The key was, of course, to put the ladder in the center of the ring and try to get off. Six executed an incredible drop kick from the top. But in the end, when both were struggling to get the belt, Eddie Guerrero knocked Six off, and Eddie Guerrero comes up with the U.S. heavyweight title belt. He celebrates with members of WCW who were in attendance that night. In addition, Diamond Dallas against Scott Norton. Members of the NWO came down to try to encourage Diamond Dallas once again that they were friends. He temporarily agreed to that, but then executes the diamond cutter on Scott Flash Norton, fends off the attempts of other members of the NWO to triple and double team him, and then he goes to the stance and rips off the NWO t-shirt off his back. And I tell you, a lot of good things happen through World Championship Wrestling at NWO sold out. We have a lot going on here tonight. As you heard Bischoff say, Hollywood Hulk Hogan is here, we understand. The World Tag Team Champions, Hall and Nash, will be here later on in action. But right now, let's go to the ring as we continue this week here on WCW Monday Nitro as we come to you from the capital of Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa. So we'll cut it right there. I, uh, I heard you chuckle about, Hey, we can't show you footage because it's an NWO pay-per-view, but here's some stills. That was well done. And I chuckled because it was such a subtle yet powerful Mm -hmm. way to create the us versus them kind of storyline, you know, the NWO taking over, getting their own pay-per-view. They won't let WCW see the footage. It was, it was subtle and it was believable. And it also drove people to the pay-per-view because the way Tony set that up and Tony did a fantastic job is, well, if you want to see all the good stuff that, you know, WCW got away with, you got to go buy the pay-per-view because NWO won't let us. That was just not a big deal, but so well done. Roadblock coming out here to be roadkill for this man. It's the giant, uh, who still is in phenomenal shape. Of course, we were first introduced to him in the fall of 95 and Man, he looked phenomenal here throughout 96 and early 97. And, uh, we saw a really fantastic promo on clash of the champions from him. And you and I both thought, especially in this era, probably the best promo he did back then. Right. Yep. This is a kip up giant. Yeah, really? He was still in such great shape at this point. He could literally do a flat back kick up where you just jump straight up from a, a lane, a lane position without using your hands, only using your legs and your abs and a phenomenal amount of athletic ability. And that's usually, you know, gymnasts can do it. You know, lighter weight, amateur wrestlers could do it. Rarely can anybody over 200 pounds or 250 pounds do it. And this guy's like five bills and he's doing a kip up freak of nature. The observer had a lot to say about your firing segment. Uh, 
Quotes, it opened with Eric Bischoff firing ref- referee Randy Anderson for running into the ring and making the count in the Steiners match. Bischoff said that by accepting a free ticket to WCW or from WCW to the NWO show. Uh, and he says, parentheses, think about the logic of this. Although think about the logic in wrestling as a fruitless exercise. They said on television, the promoter of the show was Elliot Mernick, uh, who they identified in the angle as a WCW promoter, but wasn't this supposed to be an NWO show? Okay. That's actually fair. And that little detail, it's fair, but it's stupid. If you're going to take that kind of a fucking microscope to any wrestling show you watch, including, you know, AEW, whom Dave Meltzer should, if he's not already be on the payroll for in terms of his news coverage. If you're going to look at that show and apply that same level of logic and, and scrutiny in terms of what could be real and what couldn't be real, then nobody should watch any wrestling. You're an asshole, Dave. Well, you're now, just an asshole. And that's a perfect fucking example. And you're not talking me off of this one. There's no justification <laughs> for that kind of coverage of, of, of professional wrestling in general. I think it does nothing but just put Dave in his ass up on a pedestal for everybody to see because he just showed it. Well, I guess I was saying it's uh oh, well, he's got the mic. Let's track it. Let's see what the giant's going to say here. Yeah. You're just trying to think of something to defend. Meltzer. Looks like the fire breathing giant is still alive. Oh yeah. Okay. I know you're in the building. I know you're here. I want it again. Cause what doesn't kill me pisses me off more. Right here on Nitro tonight. If you've got any guts, if you've got any manhood at all, you step in the ring with a giant. And I'm going to walk away with the World Heavyweight Championship belt. That's one frustrated. So there we go. A, a rare little in-ring promo from the giant after the action. What I was saying though, is in the same breath where we're giving props for Tony Schiavone for the little nuanced way he promoted the stills. I think that's fair to say, well, in a perfect world, we would have tightened it up and said it was, Hey, one of the boys gave me a ticket. Maybe that would no, work. because it had to be an employee. Otherwise, it's a friend giving a friend some a friend something, and there would be nothing that would be in company policy against that. But an employee or contractor giving something of value to someone that would be a breach. And no, they're, they're not the same. And you can you can say, well, to be fair, all you want, there is no way that you could possibly watch anything in WWE, AEW, or anywhere else and apply that much scrutiny to it and justify sitting there and watching it well, or just, writing about it well, and making so a know, living, making 500 grand a year, conning people into thinking, you know what the fuck you're talking about. Sorry. It's just, it's just, it's just this whole Eric fires back thing that's coming up. On <laughs> <these shows>. It's <laughs> just, you know, I get it. I try to, I, fuck, I try so hard. I even try not to say fuck, but I still say fuck. Damn it. It's the ad. It, it's fires back. It happens to me. I, How about this? We got Jeff Jarrett in his, uh, what you called his dick dancer outfit. 
Uh, Chip take, Dale's Dick Dancer outfit. Take it on Eddie Guerrero here, who's sporting a pretty cool ring jacket and the U.S. title. This is a, a big match for Jeff Rowe, one of the best match, best wrestlers that ever lived, <laughs> and uh, and Eddie Guerrero and a title shot and prime time, big time stuff here. Yeah, we're looking at Jeff Jarrett, who here is the man in uh, white Venetian blinds, as opposed <laughs> to the man in black we've seen. Him. <laughs> Previously. Hey, prior to, uh, you know, the, this, uh, I guess we should back it up because you and I didn't really address a ton of this, but you got to see Jeff Jarrett on Sunday night. Uh, and, and I know you like that, uh, little package that John Carlo put together for game changer wrestling. I think you and I commented that's the coolest Jeff Jarrett ever looked in a package like that. Is it not? That's the first time he's ever been in the same zip code as cool. Yeah. I mean, come on, Jeff, I love you, but, mm. but that, that package, uh, John Carlo did in that, that new character that Jeff has, uh, developed is pretty badass. way to get relevant real fast, brother. Congrats. It's pretty outstanding to see. Meltzer would continue. They brought up that he had cancer this past year while Bischoff laughed and fired him. Bischoff then ordered the Steiners to give the belts back to be fired or be fired. And basically the Steiners came off as total wimps, giving back the belts because a wrestling babyface portrayal is that they would have gotten fired for standing up for what they believed in rather than backing down to authority. Steiners then had a God awful match beating Ming and barbarian. So I I don't know that it was that bad, but Randy Anderson has this little, uh, hot issue with you. Tell me about this piece of creative. Did you have this idea? In advance, how far in advance of sold out did you have the idea that man? What if we fired a referee? That would be heat. Probably only, it probably started developing about a week before when we started really drilling into the details in the segments. You know, you go into it, okay, you know what your matches are going to be, and then you start drilling down deeper than the matches. You know, from the match side, you start drilling down deep into the finishes, and on the narrative side. You're looking to fill in the blanks in a story or advancing story. So when it came to the discussion about advancing the story and how best to do that, you just kind of look at all the different ways to do it. And I'm relatively sure that probably came up in creative discussions a week, maybe 10 days prior. What was his reaction to, to, I assume it was you who pitched it or laid it out or what can you tell us about this? Um, I don't know if I pitched it to Randy. Um, could have been Arn, you know. Uh, I think Arn was agenting at this point. If not, um, and it might have been Arn anyway, because oftentimes, you know, if I knew somebody had a great relationship with someone and we wanted to ask them to do something a little sensitive, whether someone was in management or not, I'd, I'd bring them into the discussion. That could have happened. Um, if it wasn't Arn, then uh, probably Kevin Sullivan. I would have talked to Randy afterwards. I might not have come to him with the idea first, um, but it probably could have, well, probably could have maybe likely been Kevin Sullivan saying, Hey, this is what we're thinking. What do you think? Randy said he was in. Then I would sit down with Randy and kind of walk him through it, talk him through it and make sure he was cool with it. Any concerns that he brought up that you recall about either referencing anything? Randy was the ultimate. I'm sure he didn't like it. I'm not sure he didn't like it. He didn't, I didn't get the indication that he didn't like it, or I would have probably not pushed it. Um, I didn't get the impression that he was concerned at all about it, but that was Randy. Randy was the ultimate team player. 
And he was not a guy that was going to push back. Um, so I, I, I didn't get the sense at all that he was even in the slightest uncomfortable with it. You got some newspaper coverage for this too. I mean, a lot of people brought this as, you know, absolute fact. I mean, I think it even may have even been ran in his hometown. Um, do you remember there being some, some backlash or criticism of this creative? Dude, the next day I got a phone call like at 10 in the morning from Harvey Schiller and Harvey never called me to his office. Now I had meetings with Harvey. If we had to go over budgets or if we were in the middle of negotiating somebody's contract and there were questions or whatever, um, sure. I'd have, I'd go up to, you know, Harvey's office, but I never got like called to the office, you know, like the principal's office ever. And I get a phone call unexpected. I had no meeting scheduled with Harvey at all that day. And it was Harvey's assistant, Janice. She said, I oh, know, Catherine. She said, uh, Eric, uh, we, uh, Mr. Schiller would like you to come up to his office at your earliest convenience. It's very formal. Not, hey, Eric, I would like to talk to you. Got a minute? It wasn't that. It was very formal. Very formal. I went, huh, I don't think I fucked anything up lately. Well, let's go find out. And I got up there, and Harvey said, what did you do last night? Uh-oh. said, I produced a show. It was a good show. It's awesome. He goes, no, you fired a referee on TV. I said, well, <laughs> kind of, Harvey. You know, I was I like, do, do I tell him wrestling's fake at this point? Right, right. I kind of assumed it. I kind of figured he already knew. But he's asking me a question that was, to me, absurd. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, Harvey, but it's just a storyline. And he goes, well. It must have been a good one because we've gotten about a dozen phone calls from people in Randy's church and oh his my. community because Randy lived in a small town north of Atlanta and everybody knew him. And we got a call from a group at his church, not we, I mean, someone in Turner PR or wherever, wherever that would land. And they were like appalled. Now keep in mind, this is this is Turner Corporate, right? They're used to all of the shady shenanigans that had happened in WCW, you know, that we got sued for and had bad press for, including Bill Watts and all the racial stuff that almost got the plug pulled on WCW for good. And so it wasn't to, to them, oh yeah, somebody at WCW would do that because they do all kinds of stupid shit over there. So they immediately it got fired over to Harvey like rapidly. And he was tasked to take care of this. <laughs> it was awesome. It is awesome. You know, I want to do something we don't normally do here. Uh, we need to pause the replay and rewind a little bit because I want to watch that clip again. Tony is throwing to a clip. We're trying to belabor the point about the NWO and what's going on with the sabotage here. So he's going to queue up a clip. If we can keep going back a little further and then we'll track the audio where he throws to a clip of Starcade, where Roddy Piper beat Hulk Hogan. And then wouldn't you know it a little sabotage. Let's, uh, let's press play and track it here. Not able to show you the footage of how Rowdy Roddy Piper defeated Hollywood Hulk Hogan with the sleeper. That footage, of course, confiscated by Eric Bischoff. Our thanks to everyone who pulled some strings and who got this tape to us. We are going to show you for the first time ever on broadcast TV, 
Sit down right where you are as Rowdy Roddy Piper at Starcade defeated Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Let's, can we roll the tape right now? What is behind him right there? Sleeper oh. on! Get the sleeper on, Hogan! Good night, Irene. He's got him. He's got him hooked good. Real good. I told you. He's got him hooked good as right. And he goes down. Got him down. And the referee Anderson is still on top of the ball game right there. Check his arms. Check his arms. He's going out. He is going out. Yes, he is. Randy Anderson's got it up for one. He's got it up for two. What's going on here? Well, that was the nothing. Well, that what? That what? We did not get to what happened. Can anybody tell me what happened? The tape stopped. The tape broke. There's. Well, what happened was someone is in the someone is what? in tape in the truck. Who's in the truck? Which we're trying to find out, fans. I apologize. Uh, just talking to Craig Leathers, Keith Mitchell, in our video production truck. Someone apparently went and, and stopped. There you hear the tape queuing up. You saw right there. I mean, the hand was going up, and it was going to be the end of Hollywood Hulk Hogan with the sleeper. We all witnessed what happened. Eric Bischoff went in the video truck and grabbed the tape. <laughs> well, anyway, the world saw what happens. We knew about it, but now the missing footage had been recovered. Oh, and what minute. happened? Oh. oh, my God. Don't you ever, don't you ever, ever pull a stunt like that again. You or anybody else in this organization. Ever again. Gee. Let's take a break. He could beat up a tape. That's impressive. Let's take a break. <laughs> so we'll end the, the tracking there. But my goodness, how fun was this, man? Playing the tape, and, sabotaging and, and the tape. A, that was a VHS of Debbie Does Dallas. I found it in one of the guy's bags in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool, though, right? I mean, God, what great storytelling. Absolutely. And you're seeing they're still running a promo for the sold out shirts, which means. Spoiler, we didn't sell all of these. We still got some down in the warehouse. Let's get rid of these shits. <laughs> I, could be. I wonder what the, if we could ever actually discover actual figures for how many NWO shirts were told were sold in total during the, just the WCW run, not the 25 years since, but my goodness, it had to just be an astronomical was, number. Yeah, no way to track it. At this point, I mean, it was tough enough to track back then because we didn't, we were really not that well organized, didn't have a great infrastructure, you know, a back end in place. So I'm not sure anybody ever really knew for sure, but there were a lot. Such a phenomenal time to go back and revisit 1997 here. Let's, uh, let's talk about some news and notes. I wanted to mention this, uh, this is in the observer. Uh, and I'm probably mispronouncing this because, well, I'm a hillbilly from Alabama. Gay of Japan will be holding a tournament in mid February to create a WCW women's cruiserweight champion with Nakano, Satomura, Sato, Namua, Kato, Nagashimi, Ichiki. Mm, that's not it. Matsumoto. <laughs> It's not like the first time you walked into a sushi bar. Buddy, it is. I'm I'm struggling. Here's what I'm trying to get at. 
<laughs> why Gaia? Was it just the company you were able to make a deal with, or just talk to me about a WCW women's cruiserweight concept and how it all comes together. Is Sonny Ono involved? I just assume. And, and where was new Japan on all this? Because I don't think new Japan was doing a lot of ladies matches. That's exactly why we worked with Gaia and it's because they did have a pretty deep roster of women and they wanted to work with us. And it was really, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I hear so often, you know, why didn't you have more women? Well, you know, there was a handful of women that were really TV worthy at that time, because this was before the WWE women's division and before Britt Baker and all the great stuff that's going on in AEW, right? This was 25 years ago when not a lot of women like aspired to be a professional wrestler. You had more over in Japan and the ones you had here in the United States, you know, there's, there was a small talent pool. So it was hard to have a division. And we looked at, you know, the deep roster over in Japan and thought, okay, well, we can put together enough talent here domestically. In addition to the talent internationally that's available, this could be good. It was just, it was an attempt. This fellow here, the Ultimo Dragon is wrestling in the ring is someone I was not familiar with. He's wrestling under the name, Billy Pearl. I think he was actually a Northeast indie wrestler known as Brian Walsh. That's what the observer reported. Uh, Dave said it was a good squash, but I guess the question is, Eric, you've got probably well over a hundred wrestlers under contract at this point. Why do you need to use a Northeast indie wrestler? Or was this more of a tryout or a favor or what have you? It wasn't a favor. It if anything, it would have been a tryout or it could have easily just been a match where we went, okay, we, we've got an indie guy available. He work for next to nothing. And we want to get a look at him. He, we, the rumor is he can have a great match and let's get him in there with uh, Ultimo because we want Ultimo to shine anyway. There was no story for Ultimo at the moment, but we still wanted him on TV. So you put him in a squash. That doesn't really matter. I'll tell you this. Though, story. It doesn't he, affect storylines. When he came through the curtain, I knew he wasn't going over even before I saw him wrestle Ultimo because I knew he was not tan enough for your ass, even by Iowa standards. No. And look, when you're that milk white, like when you're the whitest person in Iowa and you have red hair, you're fucking toast. <laughs> you just spread the butter on yourself, jump in the toaster, and get it over with. Just so you know, Seamus is going to kick the shit out of you when he sees you again. No, but Seamus is a badass. Oh, there we go. No, and I... No, oh shit, you're right. I should have not said that. <laughs> <laughs> Seamus is such a cool cat. I saw him at WWE the other day. We... We've gotten to be pretty good friends. And uh, he said, Eric, guys, I told him I want to bring Mrs. B to Ireland. And uh, we've talked about it for several years. And he goes, oh, we, you know, if you come to Ireland, you know, you call me first and I'm going to introduce you to my mom and she's going to take you up on a tour and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And now because of what I just said, I'd probably, that opportunity is probably off the table. Fuck. How good is Ultimo Dragon here? My gosh. You had so many talented performers. I mean, you got the Ray Mysterios, the Dean Malenko's, the Eddie Guerrero's, the Ultima dragons. Don't get me wrong. I was loving what the WWF was putting out at the time. They were trying to find their voice in the attitude era. And I love the stone cold character, et cetera, et cetera. But damn nation, when the bell rang, I don't think there was any competition. You guys had so much talent under this roster. You know, at, at the peak, uh, of, of WCW's talent roster. I mean, the largest I think it ever got to was about 120, 124, 125, maybe, right? 
out of that 124 very talented people at different levels, but all of them talented to varying degrees. But when you get to the top 20% of that talent pool and then realize that a guy like Ultimo Dragon in, um, in so many respects is in the top 2% of that 10%, it's pretty impressive. And, and that's really where Ultimo Dragon was. Let's take a listen here. We've got uh, the horseman coming out, or at least Mr. Benoit and woman and main jeans, uh, hold the microphone. Oh, there they go. There's the rest of the horsemen. Got Arn, you got Flair, you got Deborah, you got Mongo. Let's track it. And the nature boy, Rick Flair, just a couple of weeks back, this reporter conducting an interview. And honestly, I thought the four horsemen were going to crumble. I thought they were going to split and that was going to be the end of a dynasty. However, in just a couple of short weeks, things have turned around and I know for a fact, Ric Flair, nobody could be happier than the nature boy. Mean! Woo! Gene! Yes, sir. We're in Iowa, aren't we? Where's Dan Gable when we need him? He won't show up. I got the enforcer, that's right. No Dan Gable, no Steiners when the horsemen are getting along. Now, last week, they walked out without me. Chris Benoit, I can't blame you. For your decision in love with woman, oh woman, won't you marry me now? And woman, <laughs> you finally made the right choice in manhood, baby. Woo! With Chris Benoit. All right. Deborah Gale, you'll have to do as Mongo says because we've got to coexist. Ladies and gentlemen, you keep your mouth shut, fat boy. We are the horsemen. Woo! We are reunited and we'll feel oh so good. Arn Anderson, you're the backbone. You're one of the founding fathers of this great group. The fact of the matter is, Jeff Jarrett, I know in Tennessee they don't speak English very well and you probably don't understand English well, but Mongo sent you a message in a universal language tonight. You know where you stand and it's not a horseman. Now, Benoit, last week, you did a beautiful thing. We said go out and tear Sullivan up. Pal, you did it. That was a page out of the Horsemen of the 80s. So now, just when they thought the Horsemen were reeling and rocking, we're back on a roll. All right, Bongo, uh, couldn't help but notice your presence. You weren't in the Super Bowl last night, but you were a big hit here tonight. Let me tell you what, pal. Did you see that nail I drove into Jeff Jarrett's coffin with this thing? Shut up, you zipperheads! I'm trying to talk. The horsemen are united. I'm sorry, Deborah. That's just the way it's got to be. <laughs> Very quickly, Deborah. I just want to say, you know, Chris, I've been pulling for you to be a four horseman 100%. Thank you, uh, Chris Benoit. Sullivan, don't say you weren't told. It's my way or the hard oh, way. Man. Not only did you find out what that was about, but you were beaten at your own game. Sullivan, when are you gonna get it? Let go. It's time to let go. I'm beating you mentally, I'm beating you physically, and I'm beating you spiritually. You're not gonna win, Sullivan. I've taken everything I've wanted to take when I've wanted to take it. Sullivan, 
I'm far beyond beating someone with a chair, but there was a point that had to be proven, and it was tonight. I'm going to prove another point. I don't need anyone backing me. I'm going to the ring alone. I don't want anyone backing me. All right, uh, woman, any words from you? I'm just a very happy woman, Gene. You look contented. You'd understand that if you spent any time in Iowa. Yes, and Deborah? Right. I think we're ready to leave now. Okay, uh, there's the door. Thank you very much. Apparently, there's a meeting of the minds here with the four horsemen, and especially Deborah and woman. We are live on TNT. Don't go away. More Nitro right around that corner. Eric, in this era, uh, is this just a uh, fill time? I mean, it feels like we're getting these horsemen promos every single week. And I don't feel like, I mean, they're all kind of running together. Are they not? What, what the hell's the difference? Yeah, it's, it, it's a great observation. Connor. And I was, I was going to say, you know, that was a long promo that said absolutely nothing yeah. that we hadn't heard before. Didn't advance a storyline. It filled in a couple blanks, but it didn't build any anticipation. No. Uh, the, the best part of that entire promo was woman's response. I'm a very contented woman. <laughs> that was it. She said more in six seconds than everybody else did combined. Here's your boy, Ron powers. What's your favorite Ron powers match, Eric? I think it was in Baltimore, 1994. I think it was, uh, it was a classic. I just remember it was in Baltimore because it was, you know, it was a kind of a traditional match, very hardcore match, something you'd expect to see on the East coast, you know, early nineties, late eighties. He had that style of match. The crowd loved it. I was kind of shocked. That's why he's still here today at this point. I'm really impressed that you can just bullshit on the fly like that. I mean, that was some yeah. great. You ain't seen nothing yet, brother. <laughs> so he's an, a St. Louis indie worker, uh, and he's going to last a minute and 13 seconds with Lex Luger. And, uh, yeah. Meltzer even said powers looked good. So I guess if you want to get put over in the observer, be an indie worker and he'll be very complimentary. Um, <laughs> it's interesting to think about what all's going oh, on. I could go off on that one, brother. I could have so much fun with that one right now, but I'm going to no. let it be. Go ahead. No, no, I'm not going to oh, do, do it. Not going to do it. I'll save it. I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. I thought you were going to hit me with a Dana Carvey the way you said that. Not going to do it. I thought you were going to say it wasn't being no, I was going there. That's, Not at this juncture. I'm trying to end it on a funny note. <sighs> well, um, yeah, here we are. By the way, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, we're, we're fresh off a of sold out. I mentioned at the top of the show, that was a Saturday pay-per-view this year. The WWE is doing a lot more Saturday pay-per-views. Of course. Uh, AEW has tinkered with that a little bit too, not just Sunday, but Saturday as well. I think the differentiator on the AEW side is if Monday's a holiday, like labor day or Memorial day or something like that, then they'll do the pay-per-view on a Sunday, but otherwise they're doing it on a Saturday. And that received a little bit of criticism online from, uh, at least one source who really, really hates the idea of Saturday night pay-per-views and wishes all wrestling pay-per-views were Sunday nights. What say you? What do you think about a Saturday night Royal rumble that we just had this past weekend? And you had here 25 years ago with sold out. Who was the source? I'm curious that had a problem with it. Brian Alvarez from the wrestling observer newsletter. Oh, Dave Meltzer's little popcorn fart buddy. Um, they think exactly alike, right? That just, it is what it is. Um, look here, here's why Saturdays are a challenge. 
it's the one, it, you know, it's a, yes, it's a weekend. You know, Saturdays suck for television. Why do they suck for television? Unless it's sports. Uh, and even then it can be tough because people have shit to do on the weekends. Yeah. You know, if you work all week long, you're either going out and having fun or you're getting work done around the house or you, you're doing, you're doing things on a Saturday night. Sunday night, people are usually at home. They're winding down their week and getting ready for the following week, and which is what makes Sunday such a great night for pay-per-view because people don't have other things going on in their lives, typically on Sunday afternoons and evenings, whereas Saturday, typically they do. So that's the challenge, and that was one of the challenges was sold out. It's probably a challenge with WWE. I don't have any idea how they measure performance anymore with their premium live events because they're streamed. I'm sure they do, but it's not out there for us to get a hold of and talk about. And even if you can, you can't really compare it to anything because it's not really apples to apples anymore. But Saturday nights are challenging because people just have other shit to do. You know, when you, when you talk about television, you know, people talk about ratings. They used to talk about ratings and share. Now it's just households and viewers. It's really all anybody pays attention to. Really, people just talk about viewers and their demos they're in. But there's another, you know, element of television ratings called hut levels, which is households using television. And that's very much affected by people's lives, what they do. You know, people watching television during the day, during the week is pretty low because guess what? Everybody's fucking working. People watching television on a Friday night is really, really tough because especially in a younger demo, because why? Everybody's out having fun on a Friday night. We're going out to dinner, going to a movie, whatever they're doing. Saturdays we've already discussed. Sundays, the hut levels for pay-per-view are much, much higher than they are typically during the week or on a Saturday. Yet all the big time UFCs and big sub big time boxing events are on Saturday. What's up with that? Well, well, what's up with that is it started out that way because when UFC started, I could be wrong about this. I've not studied UFC's business model, but from my recall, okay. When UFC started, you couldn't, they couldn't buy their way onto pay-per-view. The big pay-per-view companies didn't want anything to do with them. No, it was like well, human cockfighting. It, it got they there, but it started strong on pay-per-view. And then there was the human cockfighting stuff. Right. And then they got thrown and off pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. Then they got thrown. And I wasn't talking about pre-getting thrown off. There was that point in time when they couldn't get any time on yes, pay-per-view. Yes. WCW was making tons of money on pay-per-view on Sundays. So was WWE. So at some point, you know, DirecTV's got 24 pay-per-views that have to be scheduled around each other. And there was no room for UFC because nobody thought that they were, that they mattered. So they built their audience around Saturday nights. And they became really, really big. Now they're very cool Saturday night's events, especially, I think, because of Las Vegas. It looks like a party when you watch a, a, a UFC pay-per-view and you see who's sitting at ringside. It's a real event now, and it doesn't matter so much to them that they're on Saturdays. No argument for me. Let's track it. Let's see what the Tanae is saying, or the professor is saying they here. they truthfully are the tag title holders, despite not having those belts. But Eric Bischoff says the Outsiders are the world tag team champions. They have the belts, Brain. They are here, and the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, will wrestle in this hour as the world tag team champions. Well, Eric Bischoff can make his own rules. It's obvious. He can make this man a champion. He can take it away from this man. The man is drunk with power. Don't you know that? I saw the way he came out here and talked to you. He's trying to keep Savage out of WCW. Savage is the last man he wants back in WCW. And as far as I'm concerned, I want Savage back. I want to see Savage kick some butt as only Savage can do. Well, fans, we're going to show you now what happened in hour number one. Let's take you back to the footage here on Nitro. 
Uh, we, we don't have to track this. We already heard it. Uh, Eric, I do want to ask a little bit about, you know, when we're talking about pay-per-view nights and, and just the viewing habits and, uh, it make, it makes me wonder if you had to do it over again, like today. And by the way, we're at, well, I don't have my time code. My apologies. Uh, I want to 25. No, we're definitely not 39, 25. Cause we're in the second hour. Oh, okay. Um, we're at 49:30 now. Just want to make sure everybody's keeping up with us. We're at 49:30. So if you're trying to watch with us, I know I wanted us to rewind earlier. Uh, that's where we are now. Anyway, Eric, if you were going to start a new wrestling show, I know you're not going to, and Jeff Jarrett is definitely not starting a wrestling promotion, but hypothetically now that AEW is planted a flag in Wednesday night with, with rampage. And there's a dynamite program now on, on, or, or, you know what I mean? Dynamites on Wednesday, Friday night, SmackDown, Friday night, AEW, Monday night, raw. What would you do? Like if there was a third person to pop up, would you try to go head to head with one of those programs? Would you try to carve out Tuesday? Would you try Thursday? Are you going to roll the dice and try to get a weekend spot? I wouldn't go near the weekend. Me neither. I wouldn't go near Monday or Friday. Unless I had a really good reason, I wouldn't go after, I wouldn't go near Wednesday. And when I say really good reason, if you had an amazing roster, you've got a big budget, you've got a people behind you that are willing to, to play the long game, you know, and not expect things to turn around in 90 days or six months or whatever. Um, so would you go head to head with NXT on Tuesday? Yeah. Try Thursday. You, with have choice. you know, you can't go to Thursday. Thursday's tough. Still Thursday is still tough network TV, especially because um, of Thursday night football games, whether it's college yep. or NFL Tuesday yep. feels like the night to me. Yep. It's the only one left, you know, cause you don't want to go to a Saturday. You don't want, you definitely don't want to go to a Sunday. Um, so you have very few options now, but that being said, you go back to like the era where we're watching right now, 1997, you couldn't. I mean, Thursday night's lineup was unbelievable. Seinfeld was on Thursday. Friends was on Thursday. ER was on Thursday. All the big guns were Thursday night. And I don't know, maybe there's something to that Thursday time slot. But again, we know you're going to have some NFL competition every now and again. No, aside from the network television and Thursday night football, my God, that's why we didn't want to do thunder. And it was horrible, horrible time slot, horrible day. Everything about it was horrible, but no, I, I, I'd still stay away from Thursday. I'd rather face competition, uh, with, with something like NXT or even if I didn't have any other choice, AEW, because let's, let's be honest, they're not, you know, they're doing a million viewers a week, which is very impressive for a new young company in today's environment. I'm not taking anything away from them folks, but if you're faced with, you know, 1.7 to 1.8, 1.9 on Monday nights. Monday night raw and 2.1 or 2.2 or 2.3 million people on Friday night. Uh, you don't want Thursday. You don't want Wednesday. What else you got? You're going to go after AEW. We're going to go after NXT. It's the only two choices. So you're definitely picking if there was a new third company pop up, you would definitely pick Tuesday, right? Yes. Right now. That's what it would be. Hang on one second. Unless I had a reason to think I had more horsepower than I needed. Then I might go after Wednesday, but if I didn't feel that way, I'd go after Tuesday. Hey Siri, text Michael Dawkins and Jeff Jarrett to see if Tuesday night Titans is trademarked. 
Send. <laughs> Listen to you. You are amazing. Well, that, uh, that was very, very impressive. Sorry, I thought I muted my mic here. You clip that, we'll clip that out in post. Uh, by the way, I can't believe this is real. But if you don't count the bullshit stuff that he did with David Flair in the year 2000, this is Arn Anderson's last match. Really? Yeah. And you booked him against the fucking French Canadians. Huh? Must've been punishing him for something. <laughs> He's teaming <laughs> with that? Mongo McMichael, all the great horsemen tag teams over the years, all the great tag teams he was a part of, whether it was with Ole Anderson or whether it was with Tully Blanchard or whether it was with Bobby Eaton or even way back in the territory days, boy, he had some good tag team partners, but here Mongo and he's taking on the fucking French Canadians and he's got Colonel Robert Parker dressed up like a goof. Uh, all right, but let's, I mean, okay. I'm, I'm feeling a little guilty about this now, but before I allow myself to fall deeper into the well of guilt, Let's uh, analyze this situation because perhaps you've watched this match with Arn Anderson in, in some of your podcasts. I haven't. I haven't. Okay. Or perhaps it's in your vast catalog of research and you already know the answer, but did we know that this was Arn's last match? Did no, Arn absolutely know not. No, you, you didn't okay, know. Well, if you didn't know, then I don't feel bad about it. I'm just busting your balls. You ain't got to be so damn sensitive. I'm not sensitive. I'm not sensitive. Damn it. My dog's scared now. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki's over here looking at me like, what the fuck did I do? I didn't piss on the floor. What's <laughs> It's interesting to think about Arn Anderson's career, you know, and just how freaking young he is when this all, you know, comes to an end, but here we are. Yeah. It, it, you know, again, none of us knew. I don't think Arn knew that this was going to be his last match, but to think of, you know, an amazing farewell match, farewell event ceremony. We could have had for Aaron had, had we known. Oh, for sure. Cause you, I mean, you could do You could have done amazing things with that. That it, falls into the missed opportunity category. Just to put things in the proper context too. He's having his last match here at 38 years old. Which wow. It's just crazy to think about. That's, that's my son's age. Yeah. I mean, wow. You know, thinking about it in that context is really, you know, and you, and you think about, you know, and you know, Aaron better than I do, right? I mean, I've known Aaron a long time, but Aaron and I have never really gotten close. Um, that had to really eat at Aaron for a long time oh, because at 38 years old, you're just a kid in the ring. You're just, you're just reaching your peak. As a performer, you're finally really, really, and my arm was great for a long time, but man, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, that's like the sweet spot for a guy like Arn. And to have his career cut short like that had to really, you know, hurt him a lot. We're talking about him being roughly the same age as Roman Reigns, John Moxley, Cody Rhodes, Baron Corbin, Penta, one of the Usos, Kevin Owens. Still a very young man, a lot of gas left in the tank, but man, his body just didn't cooperate anymore. And he's going to have that surgery and that's it. And, uh, 
we're having some technical difficulties here on our replay. We'll try to tighten this shit show up eventually here. I, I, I wanted to ask a little bit about the whole Rougeau phenomenon. I understand one of the ideas in hiring a team like this is we're going to get to go to Canada and boy, in Montreal, these guys are bona fide draws, especially Jacques Rougeau. I mean, he had multiple sellouts in arenas and even freaking stadiums way back when. Uh, and, and that's something I could never really put my finger on, but whenever I would talk to Bruce about it, he would say, well, Montreal was different. Is that sort of the same thing you heard that? Well, Montreal's different. Montreal is different. It's almost like a different, it's like a country within a country. You know, the, the, the native language is different. You know, it's almost when you go to Montreal and you feel like you've stepped into France in many respects, uh, and, and it is a different crowd. It's a different culture. And it, it did indeed feel different. I've lost you here, Conrad. I, I don't mind just talking to you. We did that for a long time without video, but I'm looking at a freeze frame here of, uh, that match and not of you. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on. Didn't happen with zoom, but it happens with Streamyard. Sorry, folks. Uh, Steve Kaufman's working behind the scenes, trying to fix us in the meantime. I want to ask about Jacques Rougeau. It's reported that you guys are going to be holding a, a press conference for Jacques versus Hogan in Montreal. And there was even discussion in the observer that perhaps Jack Tunney would be involved. Do you remember having any conversations with Jack Tunney about coming in for a piece of business here with Jacques and Hogan in Montreal? Absolutely did not. That, I mean, that whole thing was really uh, a favor, you know, uh, Hulk was doing Jacques a favor. Hulk came to me and I did Hulk a favor and let him do what they wanted to do. I, I supported it. Didn't get in the way. I invented the forbidden door. <laughs> it, it's so crazy to think about, you know, how over like Rover Jacques was, but man, he managed to have his finger on the pulse of Montreal. What was your relationship like with him? Was it good, bad, pretty much front of the mill? What can you tell us about that? It was very indifferent. I didn't really like him and he didn't really like me. But we did, we, we professionally, it was fine. Um, he had a little bit of a, a little bit too much of an opinion about creative, given the role that he was there to play quite honestly. Um, but I, that was okay. I didn't like it, but it, it, it wasn't so, uh, over the top that it became an issue for me. But I think that, and just the fact that we just didn't click personally, he never did anything. He was never disrespectful or, we never had any heat per se. We just didn't click. If that makes sense. So the next thing we're going to see on the show here is we're going to see uh, Ace Darling and Devin Storm come out as the extreme, and they're the extreme team. And of course, well, they're annihilated in under two minutes. It's a tag title match against Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, the Outsiders. Of course, they are clearly the biggest draw when it came to a tag team and. Of course, we know why that is. They're two big single stars that we've put together and they're in the middle of the hottest angle around, but talk to me about the extreme. Tell me that's not some sort of tongue in cheek dig at ECW. Come on, dude. Of course it is. Did they have something called the extreme extreme championship wrestling? Come on now. Oh, oh okay. I get it now. No, it didn't occur to me. Funny to me. Bullshit. Bullshit. just did a bullshit in frame of mind today, huh? <laughs> Again, two more independent guys though. A Starling, Devin Storm. You're trying something different. Was there somebody behind the scenes saying, Hey, we need to try to, to wrangle some of this independent talent? Were you worried that maybe WWE or ECW may pick them up or talk to me about that? 
No, I not worried about anything. Not to sound arrogant, but <laughs> clearly I was <laughs> at the time. But wasn't worried about least of all ECW. I love Paul Heyman. We're good friends now, really, with a ton of respect. But ECW was doing absolutely nothing in television. You couldn't sell an ad on that show to save your life unless it was a, you know, local, you know, rub and tug or a porn shop or something else ridiculous of the local market. There was no national advertising being directed at ECW of any consequence at all. So they weren't competition in that sense. Um, and in terms of WWE, I was I, I didn't want to be anything like them. I wasn't worried about what they were doing. I've said that many times before. I think if there was any initiative, it was, hey, let's get some other guys out here. There's nothing wrong with a, an old-fashioned squash match every once in a while. Sometimes it works. If you've, you've got a talent, you want to keep them or her on TV, uh, you want to put them in action, but you don't really have a story for them, there's nothing wrong with bringing in a couple of independent guys. But it wasn't like, oh, we better go get these independent guys before somebody else does. That, that wasn't the case. So the thought process behind team extreme here, tell me you're not having a little fun, poking fun at the competition. I, I think I th honestly, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny here. Um, but I think if anybody did Kevin Sullivan did. Yeah, for sure. Cause it, that shit mattered a lot more to Kevin than it did to me. I didn't give two shits yeah. ever, but Kevin did. And I think Kevin's relationship with Paul and some of the people in the ECW was much, much different than mine. Kevin Sullivan's on the show, but before we talk about that, I want to spend a beat here on Devin storm, the future crowbar all around. Good guy. Listener to the show had a hugely successful life after wrestling. And then just recently, uh, got the dust off the old boots and even made an appearance on AEW and man, he's, he's having some fun in wrestling again. What took Devin a few years to quote unquote, get over with uh, the powers that be here. I don't know. I think it can be just about anything, can it? It, it can be like it is with so many uh, performers. Um, it takes time to get, really find yourself, find your character. Also, it takes a long time for the wrestling audience to kind of embrace you. That's one of the unique things about you know a wrestling audience, and, and they don't get enough credit sometimes for being as smart and discerning as, as they are. Um, wrestling audience is not going to embrace a new character at a serious level until that character has been around for a while and paid his or her dues. And sometimes it takes four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or more years for that kind of those two paths to cross. And finally the light bulb goes off and all of a sudden you've got a character that really matters. It takes time. Next up, we've got Kevin Sullivan and Joe Gomez, and it's so quick. Meltzer doesn't even bother to cover it in his recap. It's 37 seconds and it's over. Uh, and before you know it, it's time for a Hulk Hogan interview. And during the Hogan interview, he's going to talk about a bunch of movies that never got released to theaters. And he's going to no sell the Giants challenge earlier and then pretty much accept, but say, of course, the outsiders are going to be at ringside in hindsight. Does it make WCW look weak when the NWO lets them know ahead of time that they'll have reinforcements with them? And then the WCW guys come out with absolutely nobody. Does it make them look weak? That's such a wrestling fan dirt sheet kind of observation because when, when 95% of the, 
of the audience that's watching wrestling, the only 95% that really matter, which are the ones that advertisers are trying to talk to, and the portion of the audience that was growing exponentially at this time, um, they don't look at it that way. And that's a problem when people overanalyze or try to pretend they understand things that they don't understand and start contextualizing things that way. Because when you look at it from that perspective, you could argue that. But unfortunately, such a small percentage of the people view the product that way that it doesn't matter what those people think. In fact, when they start thinking and talking and writing that way, and if you're doing the opposite of what they think and do and write, then you're probably on the right track. If you're following that advice, you're probably in the long term going to be find yourself circling around the television toilet at some point. So no, it didn't because it's story and it's emotion. And the fact that WCW looked weak in that situation because NWO was overpowering them by cheating the way we did, that puts WCW in a vulnerable, weak disadvantage, call it whatever you want, but they're, they're now they're under, they're the underdog. And what do underdogs do in any good three act structure, any Greek tragedy tragedy? What does the hero do? Who's an underdog? Eventually they overcome. So no, I wasn't worried about WCW looking weak, which is what those who write about wrestling that don't know really anything about it other than its history. Um, in terms of who won what match, when and what date and what building. Um, no, I wasn't a concern of mine. And I don't think it should have been a concern, honestly, if you couldn't tell. And we see during this Hogan interview, Sting and Savage are shown together watching the action from the stands. Pretty cool knowing that, you know, when Savage came back and said you had blackballed him and he wasn't moving and out comes Sting, hands him about, and now here we are. Was there ever any consideration to keeping that pairing together for a while, or was it always meant to be sort of a one-off? Oh, it may have been discussed, Conrad. It's hard to recall that, you know, there was a lot of discussions. Sure. You know, um, so it, it probably was something that was discussed at one point, but I think clearly we knew that's not what we wanted to do long run, long term. Meltzer had this to say, Savage's new contract was for a limited amount of dates and for $1 million per year. Apparently the deal was completed about the time the Savage Slim Jim commercial started appearing once again. WCW is justifying the deal because they're going to lose the Slim Jim sponsorship without Savage. And that brings in about $500,000 a year by itself. We had heard talk that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were both given raises. Their original deal was 780 grand per year, but Nash did a newspaper interview in Detroit and he claimed he was making 900 grand. Massive money, no matter how you slice it, but buddy, if you can get the macho man for essentially half a million dollars out of pocket, that's a win for old easy. Is it not? Well, the, the slim Jim money was seven fifty, not 500 number one. So we were getting out of pocket. We were probably really getting Randy Savage for a couple hundred grand. So yeah, that was a sweet deal. But if you put, let's, let's put this into context though. If a million dollars in 1997, if the adjustable rate of inflation is 73% at that point, that'd be $1.7 million in today's money. Let's look at anybody's roster you want to 
and compare the level and the impact that Randy Savage had on WCW at an adjusted inflation rate of $1.7 million compared to anybody you want to point to uh, on anybody's roster, I'd say it was a bargain. Set, uh, same for Kevin Nash. Same for Scott Hall. A lot has been made over the years of the massive amounts of money that Eric Bischoff was paying you know, WCW stars. What are guys making today in WWE, for God's sake? I mean, what? I mean, come on, at that level. What are people making below that level in AEW today? So I think, you know, the narrative, and that's a perfect example of the narrative that was been driven by guys like Dave Meltzer over the years, is, oh, the WCW went down because of the amount of money. No, shithead, that wasn't it. And look at what's going on today. These guys were working for a fraction of what they would have been making in, in today's money. Why do you think when you gave guys healthy contracts, you were overpaying and you were ATM Eric and you were just, you know, spending wildly and recklessly but when tony khan awards richer contracts nobody says oh can you believe he's paying this these guys that much because they announced his kissing tony khan's ass he's atm tone and none of that exists i think that's weird because they Meltzer's kissing tony's tony khan's ass and hey good for tony by the way that's not a criticism for tony good for tony he doesn't have to put up with the shit that i did um, and the problems that it caused and the issues that it, 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 it I guess I'm wondering in hindsight, do you wish you would have played the game differently? No, no. I broke no bullshit for anybody. Do you ever hear that line before? No. Hear the line? I broke no bullshit comes from the series billions. It's one of my favorite lines and I don't broker bullshit. No, I'm not. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done anything differently. I'd feel like a shithead if I did. I have to look at myself in the mirror. So Jerry Flynn here is challenging Dean Malenko for the cruiserweight title. I don't really imagine Flynn as a cruiserweight, but here we are. Um, Jerry Flynn just has a karate background and you love him and you have a soft spot for him. And that's the reason we keep seeing him so often here in WCW or what's the deal. Yeah. Okay. Well, there it is. <laughs> no, I mean, look, right or wrong, good or bad. I, I, I was looking for differences in styles do i want to go out and see guys you know I'm, one of these days i'm going to do this i encourage the audience to do this those of those those who are listening to this sit down and watch your favorite wrestling show and make a list over the course of two hours or three hours depending on what you're watching the make a list of the moves you see and then do the same thing next week and if you if you can stand it do the same thing the following week and you're probably going to see there's a game set where 80% of the moves are essentially the same performed by different people. Accurate. And I, I wanted to see something different and yeah, it wasn't because I was a martial artist and I wanted to see a martial arts guy in the ring and I was just in love with him. It wasn't that, but he did have a unique style. He was a big guy. He wasn't a, a typical little 140 you know, pound martial artist that can flip flop and fly and do really cool spinning kicks. He was a big enough guy. He could go in there and bang around with some bigger guys. And he knew, also knew how to wrestle. It didn't get over, but not because he wasn't a talented dude. It's just, he didn't get over. It was probably the mullet. They announced here that Roddy Piper is going to be given a title shot uh, for Super Brawl at the Cow Palace, but they're not sure if he's going to accept or not. WCW wanted Piper at the show. That's according to Dave Meltzer. But since everything is done so last minute, Piper had other commitments. 
Piper's now supposed to be at the February 3rd Nitro in Memphis. Was this frustrating for you when the, the, the folks who were helping put together the show say, Hey, here's what we want to do. And then you can't get the talent there because it is relatively last minute. Of course it's, it's, it's very frustrating. And the, the, I think the most frustrating thing about it, Conrad, is that, you know, you're not putting out your best product, right? You know, that, you know, you're half assing it because you have no choice. And yeah, it was very frustrating. I wanted to uh, also bring up some other news and notes here. Um, but first I want to ask your opinion. You know, we had the giant come out and cut a promo and then we had Hogan respond to it. And it looks like we're going to get a giant Hogan match tonight, but right in the middle of the program, we're announcing, oh, by the way, Piper's getting a title shot at super brawl. Is this a little ready shoot aim to you? Sure feels like it, doesn't it? And yeah. it certainly deserves that criticism. By the way, before we jump into it, you know, you, when we're talking about Jerry Flynn and his martial arts, there was a series of kicks there that looked better than any kicks. Now, the last two didn't look so hot, but there were a couple. Uh, there was a spin back kick and uh, two of them, actually, that looked absolutely perfectly executed. You don't see that. You see a lot of gimmicky-looking kicks in wrestling, but you never see any legitimate-looking martial arts kicks. Jerry Flynn was able to deliver them. But, yeah, it, it was, you know, ready, fire, aim you know, in terms of promoting and you get to the point where you're promoting so much, nothing means anything. Well, you're promoting some things pretty well here. Huge first day advance for super brawl in San Fran. You had 3,842 tickets sold for over $76,000. The nitro that's going to be in Atlanta at the Omni on March 3rd. Well, day one there was 3,704 tickets for $63,837. And Meltzer had this to say, the stories about the fans camping out the night before in San Fran weren't made up. And that has never happened before. Even when the WWF was at its hottest, nor has there ever been a first day sale like that in the history of San Francisco or Atlanta wrestling. So we're saying nobody ever camped out during the height of Hulkamania for WWF tickets, nor did they ever have this many day one sales at the height of Hulkamania. Even going back to the Roy Shire days, even going back to the territory days in Atlanta, this was the hottest it ever was for all territories, any wrestling, anywhere. That's pretty remarkable, Eric. I mean, I know we're acting like, oh, some things are good. Some things are bad, but at the end of the day, it is the wrestling business and you're checking all the boxes here, dude. Yeah. And I mean, especially San Francisco, um, that was pretty amazing. And a lot of that credit. Look, it goes to the talent, it goes to the team, the creative, blah, 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 blah. But in that long list of people that deserve a pat on the back, uh, Zane Bresloff was a good portion of the reason that happened as well. You know, it's, it, it's a beautiful thing when everything comes together at the same time. You know, you can, you can be, your TV ratings can be down, you can have issues, you, creatively you may not be firing all eight cylinders, and you bring in the best promoter in the world. Well, guess what? Nothing's going to happen. Or you've got everything going on in television exactly right. You're hitting on all those cylinders. you got a promoter that couldn't hit his ass with both hands and a compass, right? But when you when television's hitting on all eight cylinders, your talent's rocking, your promoter's rocking, boom! Beautiful things happen. And this that was the case here. And like I said, tip of the hat to the late St. Breslov. 
really, uh, fun to go back and, and take a look at these old shows as we now see, uh, Tony Schiavone reading off that Roddy Piper is going to get a title shot coming up next. We're going to see Hugh Morris taking on Chris Benoit. And we'll also see the debut of Miss Texas. She know she's known now as uh, Miss Jackie or Jacqueline Moore. She's a hall of famer and it's kind of cool to see her show up here because she's going to show up and shock and distract Nancy and Kevin Sullivan then hit Benoit with a chair to set up a moonsault leading for the pin. And Meltzer would say the gimmick is that Sullivan and miss Texas were lovers in the past and that she's trying to get back with him now that he and Nancy have split miss Texas. First interview was really bad. I believe it's going to wind up at the cow palace with miss Texas handcuffed to Nancy while Sullivan has yet another false count anywhere match with Benoit. This feels like the feud that will never end with Chris Benoit and, um, and Kevin Sullivan. And I understand it. I mean, there are real life stakes and situations and circumstances, and he's the head writer and I liked their false count anywhere. And seemingly fans did too. And Lord knows dusty Rhodes enjoyed every time they went into the ladies bathroom. Um, (laughs) but the whole miss Texas thing, is this a Kevin Sullivan idea? Is she a Kevin? Sullivan? yeah. Yeah, that was all Kevin. Kevin felt strongly about her, really wanted to work with her. I think at one point he wanted to work against her, which may have been the setup, may have been the reason why he brought her in to eventually split up because um, he, he, he wanted to work against her. She's tough. She's really tough. Really a, a pioneer too, you know, because she had a, a phenomenal look. She was one hell of an athlete in incredible shape. Uh, but she could do it all. You know, she'd get in there and wrestle with the guys and take their bumps and take their beatings. And I mean, way ahead of her curve. And, and it feels like people just immediately gravitate to, oh, well, China, I just want to add context and I'm not comparing the two. I realize they're different, but I am saying she had come from a background where she had been wrestling guys in, in, in parts of the country, certainly Memphis and others. And she is jacked, but. We don't see China on TV until February of 97. We see Miss Jackie here at the end of January. Another feather in the cap for WCW, dude. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. You know, and and you're right. You, you can't really compare the two. You know, uh, from a stature point of view, you know, Jackie was pretty short, right? She was Jack. She looked great. You know, on TV, you can't really tell as much, right? Uh, especially working with Kevin Sullivan. I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm so sorry. That's true. Um, but you know, China was in a league of her own. I mean, yeah. she, she was jacked, but she was tall. I mean, you see her standing next to, you know, Sean Michaels, and Sean probably didn't want to have his picture taken too close to her, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, she, she was, she was tough. She was working with men long before anybody else on a consistent basis, not on a one-off basis. I also wanted to bring up, um, as we're talking about Miss Jackie, were you comfortable with, with how this storyline was progressing? Do you remember ever sitting down with Kevin and saying, Hey man, you know, I trust your judgment, but do you have some sort of conversation like that at any point with Kevin or, or Benoit? No, you know, this is where this is, you know, one of the flaws in my game, because even though I was involved with creative and arguably had some success in creative, I still didn't have the confidence in myself to really question people who had more confident or more experience than I did too much. That's part of it. Not all of it. That was part of it. Part of it was because 
just because I don't like something doesn't mean the audience doesn't like it. And I recognize that early on, even before I got into creative, uh, that was a small part of it. And the other part of it is because I, you can't put somebody in a leadership position and not let them lead. You can't put somebody in the head of, you know, your head creative and not let them take some chances and not let them do what they feel strongly about doing. You can do it. You can say no. You can be that guy that, you know, everything has to go through me and I have to approve it or we don't do it. You can do that. It works for Vince, right? Um, It didn't work for me. And I still don't believe to this day it's necessarily the best way to do things. Sometimes you say, and you know what? Sometimes by not overmanaging, I guess, or micromanaging, sometimes you, you make the right decisions and you're glad you, and you're glad you micromanaged. Um, but sometimes you micromanage and you miss some great opportunities because you didn't see it the way everybody else did. And I think finding that balance between the two is probably the art of being kind of in control of creative, whether it's television or movies or whatever, or wrestling, same thing. It's all the same thing. I want to ask some questions here that I don't think have ever really been brought up, but I don't really know exactly how to approach it. So I'm just going to do my best, but was Kevin Sullivan an employee or an independent contractor? Gosh, I don't remember. Like as a contractor for on camera, I would assume that he probably had two contracts. Like I know a lot of times if you were, if you were somebody who was on camera, like for instance, triple H, I it's been written that he had a performer contract and then he had, you know, an office, con- an employee contract. I assume Kevin Sullivan had that. Would you guess I, that's right? I would guess that I would guess that that's right. Because there were certain things as, as in the position that Kevin was in, he had access to, he was a part of a process. He was exposed to proprietary information. And as such, he would have had to sign a contract. Um, I'm pretty sure Harvey would have wanted to split those two up. Um, and also because, you know, you don't want it to conflict too much. You didn't want all of Kevin's money to be derived from his role as a character when he's the booker, because if you think, you know, a booker is going to book himself to be in the best position possible, um, when he's not reliant upon his talent fee only just imagine what happens when he is, (laughs) So I'm, I'm guessing that it was split up. So I guess what I was trying to drive at is, you know, this is a massive company here, the Turner organization. Did you feel like at any point, cause we've had a lot of conversations about this whole Benoit Sullivan stuff from a creative standpoint and, and all that stuff, but it's always been through the wrestling lens, but you have a fucking major HR issue issue on your hand here. Do you know it? <sighs> It's crazy, isn't it, to think about? And yes. Fast forward, put this put this situation in WWE. More WWE than AEW because AEW is a privately held company. You're you still have HR issues. I'm not suggesting you don't. Yeah. Yes. Right? Especially when you're part of a bigger, broader corporation like AEW is. I presume they are. I'm sure there's some connective tissue to the other con family businesses. I could be wrong. 
But there, for sure, you know, WWE and WC, WCW back then and WWE were probably more of a parallel because they were both. WCW was a po- public corporation back then and WWE is today. So can you imagine taking this angle and this story and these situations, conditions, and picking them up and moving moving them in 2021 to WWE? Ha! Huh. So, Jerry so- McDivitt has been talking about retirement lately. He wouldn't retire for another 20 years. They'd have to dig him up, re- unembalm him, and have him, you know, defending the court or defending WWE in court. It would be, it'd be ugly. Did you ever bring it to anyone's attention? Or is this one of those, I'll just stay out of this type situations? Uh, you know, things were different back then. We didn't people, even in Turner, even Turner, you know, HR who was super sensitive about WCW because there had been a lot of things, a lot of lawsuits, a lot of sexual harassment, a lot of racial issues, um, prior to me getting involved and even afterwards. So it wasn't like, you know, we were left on our own and nobody really bothered us. That's not the case when it came to HR, but even HR wasn't as sensitive as they are today. Man, what a different world and environment and, and all of this. So we just heard from Kevin Sullivan and, and, and Miss Jackie here. I've always wondered this about Kevin Sullivan. Like, does that dude have a hookup in the arenas or how does he always manage to find the only wooden chair in the fucking building? <laughs> brother, when you know what you're going to do that night, brother, you make sure you got a chair in the trunk. Let me ask you, I know that's a gimmick chair. I know that a guy from props or effects or whatever you guys called it in WCW would have handled it. But, uh, if you had to guess how much would a gimmick wood chair like that costs, I know you don't remember Just guess. Probably a couple hundred bucks. That's what I was, he would say, but in WCW, like if they said a thousand dollars, I feel like he'd have been like, okay, we need the spot, but still like some, some prop guy somewhere is getting making bank. Who would that have been back then? Was that Ellis? Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I, I just heard, uh, I mean, Ellis went from WCW, um, when WCW was sold, I think he immediately went over to WWE. So he's been there for what? 20 some odd years. Yep. Had a hell of a career, and I think he, uh, I think I heard he recently retired. Could be wrong. Ellis is a good dude, but yeah, that would have been Ellis. Yeah, I, it, it's hard to believe that that he's no longer there. I mean, all those shows I went to over the years, where I had the good fortune of meeting some folks who worked behind the scenes, he was always there, and now not. And There's the- a guy we got to get on a podcast, dude. <clears> you, wanna, got. you you want it already? No, yeah, I don't know his number. <laughs> He talk about stories. This is a guy, Ellis Edwards, for people who don't know who we're referring to. Ellis was not only the props guy, but he also orchestrated all of the big stunts. So if there's a limo getting racked or shit falling out of the ceiling or whatever, you name it, big stunt, small stunt, the Steiner car flip, all of that stuff, the, the white Hummer. That's all Ellis Edwards, man. That's all him. And he's probably got props left over from some of that stuff stacked up in a warehouse somewhere in Atlanta that he's going to be reti- able to retire off of 10 times over at someday. It's uh fun to see Hulk Hogan coming out here and we're going to have uh, our big main event Hulk Hogan and the giant in a title match. Meltzer would say these matches are getting progressively worse and that's hard to do. They went 255 before Hall and Nash interfered for the DQ. 
This time, as they were beating up Giant, Luger made the save for him as the show went off the air. This is three big matches between these two in three weeks. We had the Nitro with Robin Hood, which we recently took a look at. The pay-per-view two nights ago, it sold out, and now this one. Whew. But the the matches were getting progressively worse, despite the fact that the business and the viewership and the ring attendance got progressively better in spite of the fact that the matches got progressively worse throughout 1997. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, I want to mention the business, and she brought it up. Let's talk about it. This show got a 3.6 rating and a 5.4 share. So we got a 2.1 for the first hour. And boy, did we do okay here? A 4.4 for the second hour. Raw, meanwhile, got a 2.2 rating and a 3.1 share. Just the damn replay got a 1.4 rating and a 3.3 share. Eric, translate, in your opinion, just a best guess, a 1.4 rating and a 3.3 share for the replay. How many folks would you reckon that is in today's numbers? Because today we don't count ratings we we talk about the number of people not even homes but people how many people would a 1.4 be two plus million think about that the replay of nitro beats any wrestling program on tv today mm, maybe not be smackdown on fox but that would have been about equivalent to smackdown on fox today that's unbelievable what do you think i mean it? think about that a cable television show replay at night, late at night, late at night. Yeah. At 11 o'clock, by the way, at 11 o'clock, which is a horrible time to put something on television, got about the same rating as WWE in prime time on Fox network. Oh, wow. It's amazing. Let's also talk about, um, Kevin green. He makes the news here. Kevin green was on ESPN talking about the super bowl and brought up WCW and the NWO angle and talked about wanting to get back in the WCW for matches during the off season. Green acted as if this was all real and didn't treat it as a joke. Even when the host tried to WCW has plans to run a major pay-per-view out of Charlotte in may with green and Ric Flair as a tag team. That's important to mention because he's doing a lot of media because of the Super Bowl, and and here you guys are having him name drop WCW at a time when, you know, in, in, in a pop culture reference, in the mainstream, if you will, the WWF was the brand. So people didn't say, oh, I need a bandage. They said, I need a Band-Aid. They didn't say, oh, I need a, a tissue. They said, I need a Kleenex. They didn't say, I'll have a soda. They said, I'll have a Coke. The WWF had been in that position, but when you've got guys who are hall of famers, all pros, superstars in the super bowl, talking about your product and talking about your angle and not referencing Vince McMahon's WWF, boy, that's a feather in the cap for WCW. Is it not? That was massive. And when we talk about the growth in terms of advertising and audience and ratings and all those things to be able to cross that threshold into mainstream at that level changed a lot of things. Kevin green made a lot of money for WCW with, with a lot of that commentary, not immediately, not overnight, but it started to change the way advertisers and sponsors felt about not only wrestling, but especially about WCW. 
It, it was it was huge for us. Kevin did us a huge favor. We didn't pay him for it. it wasn't part of his deal at all. It wasn't even a discussion. He just did that. That was Kevin Green. He was a just what a great guy he was. And we see a little help here as Hogan, uh, with a little help from his friends, puts his foot on the ropes. By the way, I want to mention next week, we're going to be discussing all odds 2012. We're going to talk about TNA for the first time in a little bit. You're soon to be finishing up your run there as an on-air character. That shows headlined by Bobby Roode defending his TNA title with Sting as the special guest referee against Bully Ray, James Storm, and Jeff Hardy. Our man Garrett will uh, be taking on Gunner, and you're going to be in Gunner's corner. And Garrett will have Hulk Hogan in his, but maybe what this show is most known for is Jesse Sorensen being injured. Uh, man, this is going to be, uh, an interesting show. You know, we've talked about the, the best of times here. So we talk about 1997 nitro, an interesting time in your career to talk about TNA in 2012. And especially now that your son is in the ring, right? Yeah, it was and by the way, that injury to Jesse Sorensen was, was a tough one, but, um, real tough. And real scary, but yeah, it was uh, a really interesting time. Garrett was having a blast. Uh, I think Garrett to this day probably misses those times and wishes he could have got a little bit more of a run out of his career. You know, you know, he's doing well. He's got a great life, new baby. Everything's going great. But you know, every once in a while, I think he he'll send me some footage or send me something that suggests to me that damn dad, wish I would have got a little more out of that. But uh, it was fun for him, and it was fun for me as, as his father to give him that opportunity or at least be a part of giving him. It was Dixie Carter, to be fair, who gave him the opportunity, but I had a little bit to do with that. So it was very, very gratifying. Also coming up over at adfreeshows.com, I know you recently sat down with our man Conan to discuss things about his career that even you didn't know. That's on the heels of our fun 83 Weeks episode uh, that we covered uh, Conan for. and. Man, Eric fires back and, and and all the other stuff we got cooking. This is going to be a big year for adfreeshows.com, is it not? Yeah, and can you feel, you know, it's going into WrestleMania. There's just, you know, our live event this past weekend in St. Louis. We've got some big stuff coming up in Dallas. We got big stuff coming up on Adfree Shows. We got new podcasts coming. We got surprises coming. Damn, it's hard to keep up with you, big man. It's tough. Well, let me I, tell you this. I hope you're keeping up with me here because May 20th you and I are going to do 83 weeks live in Oshkosh at the time community theater. All tickets are just 30 bucks. They're on sale February 7th. Uh, so as you're listening to this, you can snatch your tickets up. Seriously, February 7th, next Monday, they're on sale at acwwisconsin.com. That's acwwisconsin.com. Then the next day, May 21st, ACW water city wrestling con. At the Oshkosh Convention Center, it's going to have uh, myself, Eric Bischoff, Malachi Black, Killer Cross, Scarlet, The Godfather, Danhausen, and many more. So come meet and greet Eric and everybody else. Tickets are available at acwwisconsin.com. You can find out more about them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash acwwisconsin. But this is our man, Dylan. Uh, all of our listeners know him as Swoggle, great friend of the show. And I'm looking forward to hanging out with Dylan and, uh, Seeing the sights of Wisconsin, believe it or not, Eric, I've never been to Wisconsin. So I'm looking, you're going to love it. You're, you're going to love it. It's a beautiful part, especially in the spring. It'll be really nice. By the way, it's a week before my birthday and we're going to be together in Wisconsin. Dylan's got this great event going on. 
Godfather's going to be there, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm thinking... I'm thinking we're going to have a little pre-party celebration for my birthday in, in Oshkosh. How's that sound? I'm all about it. And I think I'm, uh, I'm probably going to wind up tucking you in. I'm going to make sure you have a good time. And, and you remember most of it. So come check it out. ACWWisconsin.com. Tickets are on sale a week from today, February 7th. And, uh, man, I'm fired up. This was a fun episode. Looking forward to all things TNA next week. I want to thank everybody for checking out 83 weeks and joining us here in the blue shoe studios. Of course, you can try Blue Chew for free. Just pay $5 shipping at bluechew.com when you use our promo code 83 weeks. And until next week, he is at E. Bischoff. I am at Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we'll see you next week for Against All Odds 2012, right here on 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.